already dictating imperial policy. Sugar itself would shortly become the most important commodity in the world, enjoying a position in the 18th century akin to steel in the 19th and oil in the 20th. As a result, the tiny tropical islands became the strategic centre of the Western world, the hinge on which global history turned. Less than a hundred years later, the importance of Jamaica the size of Yorkshire and smaller than modern-day Connecticut, would contribute directly to the loss by Britain of the North American colonies. In Ward's time, emigrants from England to the Americas had a choice, but any with ambition for great wealth, or indeed hopelessly in debt, dreamed not of the prosaic settlements on the North American mainland, but of the West Indies. This was the place to get rich quick. As planters, eager for new recruits to the colonies, had been writing from the islands even the most incorrigible jailbird from England could soon build up a great fortune. Ned Ward, a professional cynic and wit, considered himself too savvy to believe all of this. He had heard, he wrote, extravagant encomiums of that blessed paradise Jamaica, where gold is more plentiful than ice, silver than snow, pearls than hailstones. His disbelieving tone indicates that current in London were other stories of the West Indies, the appalling attrition from a host of unfamiliar diseases, the barbarously sticky heat, the natural disasters, the frightening Carib natives and vengeful slaves, the incessant warfare, the privateers and pirates infesting the sea lanes. In all, the risk, the strangeness, the extreme insecurity. Ward does not seem to have minded the claustrophobic conditions on board the sailing vessel, his tiny, cramped cabin and the boredom of long weeks at sea. He passed the time playing his flute on deck, to the consternation of the ship's dog, and gambling at backgammon with one of the parsons. But before the coast of the old world was out of sight, a fierce storm descended. It was late at night, and it struck a ship's company that was already unsteady, having been well moistened with an exhilarating dose of right honourable punch. A ferocious wind made standing on deck impossibly perilous, and thunder and lightning was followed by such an excessive rain that as we had one sea under us, we feared another had been tumbling upon our heads. The storm raged almost all night, but the next day at first light an even greater danger presented itself. From high aloft, the lookout had spotted a sail bearing down on the Andalusia. They were off the coast of Morocco, near a port notorious for its Barbary pirates, The gravity of the situation was made clear to Ward by the speed with which the ship's crew cleared the decks, readied the twenty-eight guns, distributed firearms and prepared to repel boarders. As the other vessel neared, they could see that it flew English colours, but this was not trusted, and the Andalusia's captain, by raising and lowering sails, did all he could to give the impression that his ship was better manned than it actually was. Only when the other vessel came into hailing distance was their relief. It was indeed an English ship, on the way to Africa to collect slaves. Ward and his fellow passengers celebrated with more punch. Soon afterwards they picked up the trade winds and started across the Atlantic. Around them the sea was empty and the sky enormous, its changing occasional clouds often the only diversion. They were now in the tropics and it was hotter than anything Ward had ever known. Had modesty not forbidden it, he wrote, he would have gone naked on deck. New to him too were the sharks, turtles, dolphins and flying fish that could be seen from the ship. The greatest fear now was of being caught in a calm, 
a situation that had seen many ships' crews starve to death. But luck was with the Andalusia, and after some six weeks at sea, they came in sight of the Leeward Islands gently curving in a chain to the northwest. Passing first Montserrat, then Antigua, Nevis and St. Kitts, in a few days they reached Hispaniola. From there, with a fresh gale, it took only 24 hours before they were in sight of Jamaica. Ward's pithy description of the island has become famous. He was not impressed. To be fair, he arrived in 1697 at a particularly bad time. Jamaica had recently suffered a catastrophic earthquake and a hugely destructive invasion by a French army, which had laid waste to much of the western half of the island. In addition, it should be remembered that Ward's profession as a Grub Street hack demanded he write with impact, a clever turn of phrase and as much vulgarity as possible.